Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings podcast, the podcast at the highest ceiling. We are joined by our next guest here in our uh, long series of guests. We are officially cresting the halfway point and uh, moving into the back half of this list. Um, and we're here to talk about a team currently in the finals whose future is somewhat up in the air. Uh, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we're joined by the great, the powerful, the Trey Manstan, Tyler Metcalf here. Uh, we're going to break down the Bucks and their one pick and uh, probably some other things that has to do with their team. They're an interesting team. They're obviously very good. Uh, Tyler, how you doing? Heck of an intro. Uh, happy <laughs> to be, be on with you guys finally. Um, yeah, I, we, we've talked offline about a bunch of these guys and uh, just excited to record and talk with you guys about the Bucks today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know the Bucks aren't necessarily your team, but uh, we knew we had to squeeze you in here somewhere, and uh, just so happened that we couldn't get another Bucks guy on. So, first thought was Tyler uh, Stone. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I'm also excited to talk to Tyler. I know we talk a lot on draft Twitter, so to be able to uh, meet um, Zoom to Zoom, I guess, <laughs> uh, and, and hear his thoughts uh, is pretty pretty exciting. So it should be a good episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tyler is another just a great follow, just a great guy on Twitter. Um, we do have Davis here. I think he's at work. So, you know, he, he will he will jump in when he can. Uh, Davis, how are you doing? Yeah, my bad. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm ready for this game three uh, tonight and and hoping hoping for y'all know what y'all know what outcome I'm hoping for. So. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on this podcast for sure. And, and just being able to make it talk to uh, some good basketball minds all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Davis, of course, big Suns fan uh, rooting against the team we're talking about today, but they're at an interesting spot. And, uh, you know, I suppose that's where we'll start a little bit uh, down to a game tonight. By the time people hear this, it will have been, um, you know, they'll know the outcome and, and this it's sort of a funny time to record it because this game is their season. Very likely if they lose, uh, that's probably it. If they win, uh, you feel somewhat comfortable predicting a longer series. Um, so it's sort of an interesting time to, uh, to be talking about the bucks, but let's, let's jump into it a little bit with just Tyler, what have you thought about the bucks this season and, and what sort of holes do you think they have in their roster that really need to be filled so coming into the season everyone or all the complaints were that the bucks never adjust they have their system on both ends of the floor and that's all they do all the time regardless of who they're playing and during the regular season i thought it was really encouraging that we saw them try different things you know they they stopped blowing teams out by as much and stopped having you know the easy number one seed and a lot of that was because they were trying different defensive schemes and really trying to work in drew holiday and they look good for the most part and the that first series against the miami heat they were dominant and ever since then they they've almost been playing like they're walking on eggshells and just really tense and that injury to dante DiVincenzo, i think really hurt them a lot more than most of us or at least me originally thought it would and it really took away from their backcourt depth you know now we're seeing Jeff Teague get first quarter minutes which is never a good thing they don't have anyone to 
pair alongside Drew Holiday to hound the other team full court on defense. They don't have that extra ball mover who can also knock down open shots. So, you know, coming into this series, if, you know, I thought Dante DiVincenzo would be a huge swing factor. Um, I would have thought I was crazy, but he has been. And we've seen it throughout Drew Holiday's essentially his whole career where he's at his best as that combo guard, as that more of a shooting guard and not that lead point guard and offensive initiator. And he's really struggled with that these last two series. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, what's interesting with the Bucks is just, it, it sort of seemed like uh, Giannis can't fill the role. I think some of us really hoped he was when he was an MVP. Um, and he's still a great player, still probably a top four, five player in the league, something like that. Uh, I don't like the pure numerical rankings. Um, but he's not like, good enough as a half court offensive player to kind of really stir the drink and get it going. But they're also too good now as a team to, to really have any Avenue to add that sort of player. Uh, they're out of basically picks to trade uh, after getting drew holiday. Uh, they, you know, the star swap sort of challenge trades are really rare. And even then it's like, well, are you really trading Chris Middleton for that player? So they're just sort of at an odd spot. Obviously, I don't want to sound like I'm talking down on them because they very well could be a NBA champion, uh, depending on how the next five games go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of an interesting, it's sort of an interesting roster construction. It really kind of has felt like they're the team that shouldn't be here a little bit. Uh, there are times it kind of felt like they were getting outplayed by the Hawks. And it's just that the Hawks didn't quite have that top end talent to really make it happen. Uh, everyone talk about the nets and there's so much contention on whether you should judge with the injuries or, you know, you beat who's in front of you, whatever. But uh, I will say that I think a, even a slightly more healthy nets team beats that buck beats the bucks in, in five, probably five or six. And it just, it, it, it's really been almost a disappointing finals run for them because Bud has still shown that he has that predilection to just stick to his guns and not not mix things up. And they don't have an elite ball handler, but he doesn't do enough creatively on offense. It's just it's sort of it sort of has this weird air as a finals run that I feel like we haven't quite seen before. Um, Stone, what are your takes on the Bucks? I know we haven't gone into the draft yet, but uh, I, I'm interested to hear what you think about Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I think, um, like you said, Milwaukee is interesting because they have um, they have obviously like a championship contending caliber team. Uh, the issue is if they aren't exactly that, if, if, you know, if they're not a championship team, how do they build upon what they already have and improve? Uh, and I think that's the big question here because, like, I, I don't think you're trading Holiday or Middleton to really – do anything that moves the needle enough to get you there. I'm not sure if they would even trade Middleton to begin with, because I know like him and Giannis are super close and all that sort of things. Um, but I think there, there's not a whole lot to work with for them in terms of moving marginal needles that, that are enough to make them that um, bona fide championship. You know what I mean? So I, without the draft capital, um, I mean, you have Brooke Lopez who's aging you have Bobby Portis. There's little ancillary pieces you can move, but is there anything out there that really 
gets them to the point where you can say, okay, like them and a fully healthy Nets team could go to seven games. I'm not sure if that's out there. So I think, um, you know, nailing the draft is actually kind of important for them because without having those sorts of moves available, if you're able to get someone who's a really key rotational player um, and can provide a lot of productive minutes for you, then that's a huge win for them because I'm not really sure they can get that elsewhere. Um, so we'll see what happens with the 31st pick here, but there should be a lot of uh, available talent that late uh, in this deep class. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll dive into some talent um, here in a second. But first, I just want to mention that uh, the way their cap looked last year, and I believe this year too, they were forced to make and sign players to full contracts in the second round last year. Uh, Jordan Wara and Sam Merrill, both older players, shooters, that seem to be good fits with Giannis. Um, they had to draft and sign to full contracts because otherwise they would have been into the tax in a, in a, in a way that their, their front office is very, their ownership, I should say, is very tax avoidant. Um, and I think it's going to be similar this year. I think they're going to have to make this pick. It's the 31st pick, uh, which is generally someone who's signed to a full contract. But I would say that keeps most stashes out of play because uh, I think they have to draft a player who they at least think can fill some, uh, some minutes here as an NBA player. Um, so Tyler, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, who are some guys that you think, obviously it's hard to find anyone with the 31st pick who fills a hole on a championship team, but who are some guys you think that can make this, uh, some sense here for the Bucks? So I, I really think they need to fill that, that point guard role. And luckily for them this year, there's, it's a really deep draft and there should be some quality talent they're at 31 but finding that guy who can legitimately contribute right away is going to be really tough um you mentioned in the in the intro that i'm super high on trey man and if it was based on my rankings trey man would be long gone but some of the more, more mainstream uh consensus boards have man in the back end of the first if he's there i think that's an incredible fit on that team with his shot creation and two-man game that he can run and he has the size where he can at least effectively get in the way um depending on how you view his defense and whatnot uh, another guy who's older and you know there are some health risks but i don't know the specifics of them is jared butler i think he would fit in perfectly right away older guy who can do a bit of everything is really smart can shoot can pass one of the best ball handlers in this class and i think he'd be able to slide in and somewhat replicate that george hill role from last year the last couple of years and really help stabilize that offense as a quality fifth starter or as the sixth or seventh man in the rotation and really help bolster that second unit. So if, if they can find a point guard who can't, who has the ability to contribute right away, I know that's pretty, really rare for rookies in general, but an older point guard who can shoot a bit smart defender, he doesn't have to be this awesome playmaker, but can fit into the rotation and, if, if he can create his own shot too, even better because they don't really have anyone on the roster right now who has any of that self-creation. Yeah, absolutely. And you're really speaking uh, the upside swings language there with uh, Trey Mann and Jared Butler. Um, Stone has, has Jared Butler 
top 10. I have Trey Mann top 10. So, you know, we're big fans there. Um, I have Trey, Trey Mann at 10 too. I think yeah, I have both yeah, 10. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry, I kind of – I kind of come come out of nowhere. I'm a, it's a little loud where I am, so I just like mute until until I'm talking. But my bad. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, Davis, of course, also loves Trey Man. He's my guy. Uh, yeah, Trey Man is is the is the ideal fit here, right? I think uh, if he falls out of the first round, which I don't think is likely, but it is somewhat possible based on what I've seen from consensus boards, um, he's sort of your ideal fit. Uh, you mentioned getting your own shot. Uh, as a pick and roll ball handler, that's what he really excels at. That pull up gravity is, I would argue, the best in the class. Um, he just has he just has a real sense for for creating some space and, and really stretching the floor out. Um, but Jared Butler as well, I would say he's slightly more likely to fall this far, and he is someone who I think really can kind of step up and probably off the bench assuming um assuming DiVincenzo is a starter uh he he's just sort of a perfect fit I think he immediately steps in uh he shoots really well a really good off-ball mover too which is something that uh they don't really have they actually have really bad off-ball movers like Dante DiVincenzo has got to be one of the worst like opportune cutters I've ever seen he constantly fills space in the weirdest way um but Jared Butler doesn't do that he's a really smart off-ball mover who who creates some space by moving off ball he can run a good pick and roll um Stone are there any other names you kind of think make some sense here or if you want to wax poetic about Jared Butler you're more than welcome to um yeah so obviously I love Jared Butler it's We'll see what happens. Uh, we're all hoping, I think, for the best for him medical-wise. Um, at, at this point, I'm a little doubtful that he actually ever is able to play in the NBA, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm still wishing for the best here. So uh, I, I think if the Bucks were to get him, it would be incredible value for them. Um, like Tyler already said, he, he fills so many different holes for them. Um, can, play in, can play on or off ball, um, can really help lead second units, I think, uh, a lot better than Jeff Teague could. So I think that would be a huge get for them uh, if, if he's eligible to be drafted, uh, if the you know NBA board to, were to declare him eligible. Uh, the other guy who could be around here, uh, again, I think I would say it's a little unlikely, but what will, if he stays, um, if, he, if he's able to slip by a little bit, I think Miles McBride would make a lot of sense here. Um, he's someone who I think is just much like Jared Butler, honestly, where there's not a whole lot of holes or, or big concerns I have with them in, in regards to their game. Uh, I think he's another guy who can play on or off ball, um, can help lead second units a bit, uh, you know, is going to be competitive defensively, even though he might not be super versatile on that end. And offensively, there's really no holes, like I said, I think off the dribble shooting, um, playmaking he can, he can do a little bit of. There's there's a lot to like there. Uh, and then some guys that I think might be a little bit of a reach at 31, but can still provide some value for them would be uh, maybe someone like Austin Reeves, I think, who provides some of that role. Um, you know, he's a pretty crafty player, uh, obviously. Uh, Another guy who can play on or off ball. I, I think that's kind of sort of the um, the pattern we're starting to see here is guys who can both play on or off ball uh, in either guard situation. Uh, and then one other guy who you know might be someone they look at as maybe like an undrafted free agent, or if they buy 
a second round pick would be like Quentin Grimes, uh, someone who I think can also fill that role a bit. So there's a there's kind of a plethora of names there that are, um, you know, either a little bit of a reach or a little bit of a steal at 31. Um, and we'll see how that sort of plays out for them. But I think they're, they're going to have a decent amount of um, options and, and ways to go to fill that sort of role for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you, we'll see that with a lot of teams we talked about at the top of the second round is it's just going to be um, who falls, who who do we have first round grades on who fall into the second round? I currently have 35 players with first round grades. Now, not all of them will, you know, Matt Mitchell, I have as a first round grade might not even get drafted. But for the most part, those are guys who are who are viewed as first round prospects. You know, whether it be a, a Josh Primo Falls or any of the guys we talked about or, you know, even it's a completely different type of fit. But even if a Josh Christopher falls to 31, I don't think the Bucks are at a spot where they should pass that type of player up. Um, just oh, Chris Duarte, that's another. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Duarte. Uh, just anyone who falls like it sounds it sounds weird to say for a team in the Buck situation where they are you know, legitimately in the finals right now, now down 2-0 and, and that second loss was pretty demoralizing considering the performance um, Giannis had to put on and they could be down 3-0 by the time people hear this, but they're just at a, they're at a spot where I think they need to take the best player available because they're in such a weird spot with, with their roster construction and with um, their lack of future draft capital. Um, with that being said, um, I think there's going to be some push for this for this pick to be traded as well as, you know, maybe some young players along with it. Maybe that is a Dante DiVincenzo. Um, Tyler, I was just wondering if you think there's any any trades that make any sense and, and you don't have to go deep into the cap or anything, but just any pre- preliminary ideas of like if they were to move on for this pick, who should they be looking for? What young players should be added? Just stuff like that. It's tough because I, I don't know if they really have the pieces to to move for someone like that. I mean, obviously that sign and trade for uh, Bogdanovich last summer would have been ideal. He would have given them that on-ball scoring creation that they so desperately need, and to swap that out for a first Dante Divincenzo and what other other salary filler there was, that would have been incredible. But when you look at their cap sheet, and it's it's Giannis who's making 25 mil a year right now. Um, and that's before the Supermax even kicks in and they'll jump to 45. But then, you know, then it drops to Brooke Lopez at 13, PJ Tucker at just under eight, Pat Connaughton at 5.3, Dante DiVincenzo at 3.2, Bobby Portis at 3.7. I don't see anyone really being super eager to trade for those guys. They're They're in that salary range of salaries and contracts you can piece together to go get that guy but usually those are combined two or three of those guys are combined with you know then two or three first round picks and they don't have any of those anymore to trade because they gave them all away for drew holiday so with Giannis middleton holiday all signed to long-term extensions pj tucker signed for four years and he's 36 making eight million a year i just i really struggle to see how they're going to be able to move any of those guys off and bring in someone who can actually contribute right away because they don't have the first round picks 
to attach to those guys, which is really going to make free agency and the draft, you know, they only, like we've mentioned, they only have one pick at 31. It's going to make hitting that so much more important. And since they don't have those future first to move, maybe it increases the likelihood that they attach 31 and DiVincenzo to move up 10 spots to get a Duarte or some or a butler or someone who we've mentioned or haven't mentioned yet but i just think they're in a really really tough spot and don't have a whole lot of roster flexibility yeah Yeah. oh go ahead stone Uh, i was gonna i was gonna propose a question so um pj tucker is in his final uh year of his deal then you have brooke lopez signed for a little bit longer how if the bucks don't don't uh, obviously end up winning this championship what do they do with Brooke Lopez? How, how long do you, I mean, you only have him productive for so many years. Do you keep riding this Brooke Lopez train and hoping that, you know, he can help you at center uh, because he is the one guy I think that they can move for a little bit of value. Um, whether how much that value he brings back is a little questionable, but he still has some value on the court right now. Um, and each year, I think that's going to decline a little bit just because of how old he is. Do you sort of cut your losses here and install him for uh, to bring a fresh face in, or do you sort of ride this Brook Lopez train out um, and see how far you can get with it? Uh, personally, I, I think I would look at trying to move him. Um, it looks like his contract expires twenty twenty three, so and uh, he's still playing well um and he's getting a little exposed in this drop coverage because he's facing two of the best mid-range shooting guards in the league uh so that sucks for him but i do still think that he has a lot of really good basketball left um at least to contribute to a contender so i do think he is one of those guys that you could move what you're getting back in return i'm not entirely sure and i do think his role is a little easier to to replace, especially in this draft, when you have guys like Jay Huff or Philip Petrosev, or you know even a smaller guy like a Raekwon Gray or Nemeus Keda um, that you could potentially get and bring in as undrafted guys or summer league contracts just to see what they have, even on a two-way. So I'm not sure what type of return. I, I think the return that they could get for Brooke Lopez is going to be a lot less than it was a year ago or even this last trade deadline, but I, I definitely wouldn't be shy about shopping him or answering calls on him. Uh, I, I guess, let me, I, I should have framed it or I'll frame it in another way too. How uh, would you value the 31st pick in Brooke Lopez in terms of moving up? If you were to, uh, is there an uh, opportunity or a trade or scenario where you see that being a viable option for them to where uh, there's a guy in the first round that you think could really, really help them and moving Brooke Lopez with that 31st pick is worth it for them. I mean, it, it's, I'm not putting you on the spot. That's no, not- you're good. Um, I mean, it's tough. Cause like when I, when I look at my board, um, a lot of the guys that I have in like that late 20 range are, you know, if, if they did that to move up for Chris Duarte, I, I wouldn't hate that. Um, if they moved up five to 10 spots, if he's still there, I think he would fit in really nicely on both ends of the floor, but then that leaves a massive hole at center. So 
it, it's tough because I, I don't think you trade Brooke Lopez to bring in another center per se. And I do think that they can find or can, can fill that hole in a, in, in a two way or vet minimum or mid-level exception type guy. But I, I think it would, ha- it would have to be a guy that's really fallen quite a bit that they're really high on. Yeah. Um, like for me, like I have miles McBride in my top 20. So if he ended up falling to 25, I would be willing to trade up for that. But so much of what they do on defense is keyed so- around Brooke Lopez's drop coverage and his rim protection. So to just get rid of that, you have to be really, really confident on what you're bringing in is going to be able to contribute and that it's not going to end up as DJ Wilson again. Yeah, I agree. I think you have to uh, take into account the only scenario I would consider that would be like you said, if somebody really high on their board and they're falling uh, much farther than they should have. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of my answer as well. Uh, but, but moving on here a little bit, what, um, what are some draft night scenarios that would be like worst case for you in terms of whether it be who they take with this 31st pick, uh, whether it be like a really bad trade, if they were to, you know, move up Brooke Lopez a few spots and, you know, draft someone that doesn't really fit what they need. Uh, what would be like the absolute worst case scenario in your opinion for the Bucks on draft night? I think if they get, if they take a big man who really doesn't have any positional versatility, um, I, I, th- I think they need to improve their outside shooting with a wing or a guard. I think they need to improve their kind of athleticism on the wing or guard. Um, so if they ended up taking like a Dayron Sharp, I, 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 I don't mind Dayron Sharp in a vacuum, but I don't like him at all on this team. Um, if they try and take a home run swing on a guy like a BJ Boston um, and it just really doesn't pan out so if, if they get zero return from this draft i think they're going to be in such a tough spot going forward i don't you know they, they don't need to draft an all-star here but if they can they need to draft someone who can contribute in an eight-man rotation at a high level i think they they need to draft someone who pr- produces more than pat Connaughton does so you can bump him down in the rotation and have someone come in and produce at a higher level if they can't do that it's a lot to ask but when you're operating on the fringes as a contender like they are it's really tough to do that but that's kind of their only opportunity for improvement right now outside of vet minimums so if they can't if they take a home run swinging on a guy and they completely whiff it they're going to be in a really really tough spot yeah, absolutely. And the Bucks sort of, to me, are becoming one of the many case studies of like what happens when you have like too many guys like on on good contracts, but not value contracts like Chris Middleton is absolutely worth his max. Absolutely. And I won't argue that with anyone, but he's not worth his max in the same way Steph Curry is worth his max. Steph Curry on a max contract is a value contract. You can build something more around Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday earned their maxes or like a Zach Levine will earn his max, but they're not values on those max contracts. I don't think 
And when you have three of those guys or two, I would say Giannis is probably value on a, on a super max yeah. even. Um, but when you have two of those guys and another guy who, even if he is a value, it's just one guy, you're sort of running out of, of money to spend. And they're a team that doesn't want to pay the tax. It means you have to be a well, perfectly well-oiled machine. We've really only seen, in my opinion, one team be able to do that successfully over a long period of time. And that's the San Antonio Spurs. Um, you know, Tony Parker, Ginobili, uh, and, and the rotating cast of characters around Tim Duncan, they made it work. They made it work by drafting well, by, by smart signings for value deals. Um, they just always found a way to sort of make it work. And if you're anything less than the Spurs, it becomes really hard to be consistently as good as the Bucks have been this year. And even then, we've talked about how the Bucks have hit such a stroke of luck, um, how hard it is to be this good. Um, you know, so it's just with this 31st pick, it, it's just sort of a you kind of got to hit it. It, it. It's hard to have another, you know, I like Sam Merrill a little bit, but Sam Merrill did nothing this year. He, he, he was not a valuable NBA player at all. He actually kind of looked pretty bad in the G League. So he's sort of a that that was sort of a nothing pick kind of. You, you can't have that with the 31st pick. He was the 60th pick. There's a bit more leeway there. But with the 31st pick, with with the postseason you've just had, the roster holes you have, you have got to get someone who's at least worthy of 15 minutes a game and who's at least maybe an option in the postseason who, if things aren't working, you can throw out there. And that's a hard ask. There's, there's a lot of guys who even the three of us like who aren't going to do that this this rookie season. Um, so it, they're at a tough spot. Um, and it's crazy to say yeah. that when it's in the finals. But I did want to say, too, um, we're talking about like a little like like guards, more of like the, the secondary guards. But how would you feel about like taking a guy like Trey Murphy or, um, you know, just like a three and D that can kind of contribute right away is kind of like ready yeah, at least know like his role and what he's going to bring. I, I like that because it kind of bumps like, well, so personally I love Trey Murphy. I think I have him right around 20. Um, I'd be pretty surprised if he's there, but I, that mold of player I really like. And I, you know, I gets back to Pat Connaughton who I'm not trying to just take out here, but you know, it, it bumps him down a couple spots. He's a fine NBA player, but he shouldn't be their sixth man or seventh man. So adding better shooting and better defensive versatility in that spot, and then having Pat Connaughton be the eighth or ninth guy off the bench or in the rotation, I, I think would do wonders. I would absolutely adore uh, Trey Murphy on this team. I think Chris Duarte kind of slides into that similar role, um, but even guys who are rated a little lower, like a Isaiah Livers or Joe Wieskamp, even like an Io Dosunmo, who's technically a point guard, but I think will end up playing more of an off-ball role um, in the NBA. I, th I think those guys would absolutely help their overall rotation, but it still leaves that problem of who's initiating the offense on a regular basis. Cause I just, I think we have enough of a track record of Drew Holiday where that, that's not what he's best at. Um, but, you know, may, maybe then then they bring in a, a point guard on a vet minimum or MLE or something like that. So I, I would not be against improving that 3 and D off-ball role at all because 
it it does bolster an area where I don't think it's necessarily a huge weakness, but it's certainly not a strength. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, it's kind of funny how we're talking about the Bucks that because they are in the finals. Like this is mm-hmm. by all means a successful season for them, but it's sort of like we're almost talking about them like they're at the end of their rope, and and I think that's sort of the the tough reality at the end of this good season, you know, all Bucks fans should be very happy with how their team has played, but they've had some sort of fluke instances and and this really isn't, or it hasn't been like a championship run. It just has sort of the cards have kind of uh, been dealt for them a little bit. You know, it's, you only have to be so good of a poker player. If you have pocket aces, three trips, straight trips, you know, they look, dominant in that heat series and then against the nets they looked they looked pretty bad until that final game uh where they finally kind of put it all together um so it's just sort of it's really interesting to be talking about a team in the finals like this but i think them and the suns who were yet to talk about the suns that'll be a fun podcast when we do it um they're sort of opposite ends of like the the team building spectrum a little bit like when they're maximizing this window and, and, and sort of building with like three hubs and then trying to build a roster around them versus the Suns are a more, I don't even want to say egalitarian, but there's a lot, the money's more spread out. You know, they have Chris Paul and Devin Booker at the top, but then after that it's McCall and DeAndre and all getting paid various amounts, all doing different things for the team. So it's sort of scale contracts helps a lot with their team building too. I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, that helps with any team. And that's what's tough about the Bucks not having any draft capital. This year, their pick is going to Houston. It was traded. Um, I believe it was traded for P.J. Tucker, but I could be wrong um, about that. But uh, either way, it's like a first-round pick would go a long way this year just to be able to take someone who, who, who provides more firm value. I guess it's only a four-pick difference, but there's something about a first-round pick versus the 31st pick. I feel like there's not a great track record with the 31st pick. Um, you know, it's what, who, who went 31st last year? Um, uh, was that Teo or did Teo go like 35? I, anyways, I know Frank Mason and, um, and Frank Jackson both went for uh, 31st. So Tyrell Terry, take a guy named Frank. Oh, Tyrell Terry. There you go. Tyrell Terry. That's right. Um, All guard, I guess. Yeah, just take a just, just take a small guard who 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 shoots. Um, you know, I guess that uh well Frank Mason doesn't shoot that well. Anyways, off topic, but you know, before we get out of here, uh is there any other Bucks thoughts you guys have? This is a fascinating team at a fascinating point. Uh if you want to give any 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 last second finals predictions as well, uh you, you feel free to do that. Um just just get out your Bucks thoughts while we're here. Uh, I was rooting for the Bucks in the finals uh, to begin. Uh, I think you actually had them in the finals, Bryce, but uh, it's not looking good. So <laughs> I will say, I will say, Suns in five. Fair, fair. So, so the the Bucks are technically my hometown team. They're not the team I necessarily root for because they traded Ray Allen for old Gary Payton and cash. So that kind of killed my fandom as a young, as a young child, but they are the still, still my hometown team. Um, 
God, I I feel gross saying this, but I'm still going to pull Bucks in seven. Um, I don't believe it, okay. even a, even a little bit. But they they've they have I guess technically adjusted or at least come out looking better when they have gone home in previous series. So I'm going to look like a real idiot when when they lose by twenty at home a couple hours from now. But I I, I do think that this game has a obviously has a lot riding on it, but I, I do think that there are still avenues for them to go down. If Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton even show up a little bit, I mean, Giannis is playing absolutely incredible basketball right now. So if one of those guys can step up and help him out even a little bit, um, I, I do think there is a, a sliver of a window for them to kind of turn this thing around. That's yeah. okay. People listen to us for our draft takes, not our, not our playoff takes. <laughs> Yeah, according to the numbers. Yeah, to this day, our least viewed episode was our playoff prediction. But I, I was like, we're gonna do this for the numbers. We did it, and no one listened. No one cares about what we think about the NBA. So uh, Davis, Davis thinks it's gonna be Suns in three. Um, so we have that on paper. Uh, I get Suns in four tattooed. It's only. Uh, I uh, I caught game two on a flight, and that's a it's a weird viewing experience. Um, I had to rush to a plane from another plane uh, because our flight was delayed in Florida and I watched all of game two on like the little tiny uh, things on the back of someone else's head and they like leaned back so I had to like slouch. <laughs> it was a whole thing but uh, I, I've now endeared myself to the Suns because uh, I, I could not root for the Bucks after the after the third quarter of that game when everyone yeah. on that team let Giannis down. I'm, I can't do it. I, uh, I felt like little Tyler when they traded Ray Allen. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, Tyler, at the very least, you still have a team. Uh, Ray Allen was traded to who should be my hometown team, but is now uh, a couple thousand miles away in Oklahoma City. Uh, we won't talk about that either. Um, this has been awesome. Uh, I love talking bucks. I love it was nice to get to meet Tyler. We've interacted on Twitter quite a few times. One of the fellow Trey man propaganda pushers. Yes, sir. Uh, absolutely. Uh, his, his Trey man piece, legitimately one of the better pieces of draft writing I've read this year up there with the, uh, with the uh, Mark Schindler, James book night pieces as just two excellent breakdowns on prospects. Um, so Tyler, just let the people know everywhere they can find you plug yourself to your heart's content. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. No, I appreciate you guys having me as this was fun. Um, we've only talked and typed word before. So the, 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 I'm glad we got to do this. Um, easiest place is just follow me on Twitter at T Metcalf 11. Um, I tweet out everything. Uh, all my draft stuff is over at hashtag basketball.com. All my Timberwolves stuff is over at Canis Hoopus. Uh, should be having a, an updated draft guide, top 75 coming out here in this next week. And then just trying to plug out or turn out as many uh, in-depth scouting reports on these guys as I can. And we'll just kind of keep doing those up until draft day. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler does some of the best work on all of draft Twitter. All his stuff is great. Um, absolutely worth a follow. Great guy too. Uh, constantly interacting with Stone and I. Um, Stone, do you want to let the people know where they can find you and uh, what they got to do? Yeah, uh, just follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Um, all my draft stuff's there. And then uh, if you guys can just rate and review us on wherever you're listening, it helps us defeat the algorithm and uh, <laughs> reach more people. Um, 
And then uh, if you can follow us on at Upside Swings on Twitter, help us grow the brand. Helps us out a lot. Uh, so we'd appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Um, you know, I've always wanted to tell a story for why I have that name that doesn't have the S that my actual name has, but I don't have one. I don't know why I have that name. Um, I'm <laughs> not even... down. I thought you were going to actually tell it. Right no, there. No, yeah, no, I, bet you're about, there. I bet you're about to tell it. Please. <laughs> There's nothing there. Uh, I also, my number is at 14. My number is always seven in sports, especially basketball. So I, it's, it's so weird. Uh, Davis uh, is here. He's at sports by Davis. Uh, this has been the upside swings draft podcast. We want to thank Tyler again. We want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, this has been awesome. Uh, go bucks. If that's your thing, go sons. If you're Davis, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We hope we had our ceiling. Thank you. Thank you.